Blog Talk Radio. You know, happiness is a dimension of our own nature. Happiness, from a spiritual point of view, is not based on conditions or circumstances. Innately, we're happy beings. We're spiritual beings. That means that happiness and joy are already built within. And as we're growing spiritually, we are removing filters from seeing or feeling the happiness that's already there. When we're somewhat blocked, happiness is conditioned. We say, well, I got a new car, therefore I'm happy. Or this person didn't call me back, therefore I'm unhappy. And so it's conditioned-based. But as we mature spiritually and we begin to touch into our real nature and being, we notice that we're happy regardless of what's going on. Something bad happens, we don't like it, but the happiness is still there. Uh, someone doesn't call us back, some plan doesn't work out, we don't like it, but the happiness is still there. So that's a sign of spiritual maturity. So can we define happiness as the way to transform every emotion and transform it into feel something great? Yes, you, you can uh, basically, you, you discover your happiness when you're able to see that in every circumstance, There is possibility, there's potential, and there's an energy behind it pushing you to a greater expression of, of, of who and what you really are. People become frustrated and unhappy if they feel there's no way out, if they feel that every road is blocked. But in reality, with a capital R, there's no such world. No world like that exists. We're surrounded by infinite possibilities. And so, with a shift of perception and attitude, you begin to see those possibilities. And those possibilities uh, invite us uh, to activate potential within us. Uh, the gifts and talents within us that are latent, the possibilities invite us to activate, to discover and activate those, those possibilities. So again, then happiness would be us uh, becoming more ourselves. That'd be a very blissful state. So it doesn't deny that bad things happen in the world. It doesn't deny that people die. People die on us. You know, people leave. Jobs change. It doesn't deny that. But when we come to an understanding that even with all the changes that are going on in the phenomenal world, there's still something about us that's permanent. There's something about us that's forever. And that part of us that's forever is spiritual, which means it never, it never began and it will never end. And as we become more and more identified with that, identified not just in, with a belief system, but identified that with some kind of spiritual practice, some kind of focus, some kind of intention, then our life takes on a whole different, a whole different vibration. How we can overcome the fear of rejection? Rejection is paying too much attention. The fear of rejection is paying too much attention to what other people are thinking about you and other, what other people are thinking about what you're thinking about. And people live in that kind of a bubble. I wonder if that person likes me. I wonder if this person appreciates me. And those are, uh, that's the wrong mode of being in the world. You have to think about what the universe thinks about you. And the universe thinks you're important. The, the, whatever name you want to use, you can say the universe, you can say the cosmos, you can say God, whatever. What, what, is, what does the universe think of you? And because you were created, you have meaning, You are important, you're worthy, you're worthwhile, because you weren't made accidentally. You weren't just accidentally made. 
nature didn't just come together and accidentally make you. You know, uh, there was a perfect idea behind you with c complete potential and possibility uh, to be activated. So you have to begin to think about, we all have to begin to think about, how does the universe think about me? Not how does that person over there think about me? Not how those group of people over there think about me. That's a waste of my time. Then I start to people please. I start to do things to make them like me, and, and, which may take away from my mission, may take away from my authenticity. It may take away from making my powers because I'm thinking about what they're thinking about. And they're thinking about what I'm thinking about. Everybody's thinking about what other people are thinking about what they're thinking about. <laughs> no. And what difference do you, do you see between pay attention to others yeah. and learn from feedback of others? Yeah. yeah, you can learn from feedback from others. I'm not overly concerned about what others are thinking about me because I'm, I'm living my passion and my purpose and my intention. And then life gives me feedback. If, if I'm being stubborn in some area, then, then, then there'll be some feedback from either life itself or from people. If, if I'm being arrogant, you'll get the feedback. If you're being wishy-washy, you get the feedback. So you learn how to pay attention. And, you know, as, you, as you mature and become more comfortable with yourself, you're able to take criticism, and what happens is uh, you start paying, uh, you start seeing, what, what, what they're called the two imposters, criticism and praise. There are people that praise you and people that criticize you, but after a while, you don't really care about either one of them. They're called imposters. And so if somebody's criticizing you and saying, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, shut up, whatever, <laughs> you, 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 you don't care. It's like, thank you for your feedback. <laughs> you know, and if somebody says, "Oh, you're the greatest, you're the greatest, you 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 you're the best," you say, "Thank you for your thank you for your feedback." You start treating both the same, because you're not trying to get something from the people. You're giving a gift to the people. You're getting your information and your energy directly from the life force. You see, you're getting fed by life. Life is giving you information, and you're sharing it. And if people don't want it, and they say, ah, it's a bunch of baloney, thank you. I won't give it to you, you know. And if somebody says, I want it, thank you. Here it is. But after a while, praise and criticism, you don't really care. Because you're, you're, you're becoming so in tune inside of yourself. Yeah. It's, like, it's like if you are a mathematician, and you know that 10 plus 10 is 20. You know it. It's not an opinion. You know it. And you stand in front of a group. And you start to do your math, and somebody says, I don't believe that. What are you going to do? You're going to say, okay, thank you. You know, you know 10 plus 10 is 20. You say, okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Good They're giving you feedback where you need to grow. Because when you get out here as a public figure, people talk about you. If you do really good, they talk about you more. If you yeah. do really, really good, they talk about you really, really more. It, yeah. it goes with scale. And yeah. then you learn this. Um, mediocrity attacks excellence all the time. And so if you're seeking to live a, an excellent life, those who are, have agreement with mediocrity, they attack you because you're making them uncomfortable. They want to stay small, so they attack people who are trying to do big things. Let's talk about the law of attraction. According to you, how we can use the law of attraction? Well, the, the basic, first start with the basics. The basic law is what you chronically think about is what you bring about in your experience. A thought, is a unit of mental energy. Energy can never be created or destroyed. 
energy just keeps changing itself into higher or lower expressions. So if you're constantly thinking negative, you know, uh, life is hard and, and then you die. There's not enough good jobs around. Uh, there's no... Decrease crisis. Yeah, there's, everything is working. Then you, your, your body temple gets that message. The cells of your, of your body begin to hear that. It starts to produce, produce toxic chemicals. Your immune system starts to become unhinged, starts to be, be impaired. Your thinking starts to go down because of the toxic chemicals. And you start to bring about what you're thinking about. You become sick. Uh, not as much energy, so therefore your opportunities are depleted, uh, your energy is down, critical thinking goes down, and then you start to bring about that negativity that you're describing. But you change it around, and you begin to say, you know, I'm surrounded uh, by opportunities. Life is good. Everything is working together for my good. I, 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 I'm surrounded by infinite opportunities. Uh, prosperity is right here. And then what happens? When you start to say that, your mood is lifted, Tonic chemicals and endorphins start to go through the body, starts to amplify your immune system, your thinking becomes more clearer, you start to see life differently, opportunities, you start to see opportunities that you couldn't see before, possibilities open up that you didn't even know about because your attitude has changed, and what looks like the law of attraction is simply you lifting your vibration so that you can see the potential that's here. And then we call it the law of attraction, but what it really is, I call it the law, of, the law of radiation, the law of emergence. Because what you're doing is allowing that which is within you to come out and, and to radiate and to emerge and to express. And then in the physical form, good things happen and it looks like it's a, you're attracting it, but what's really happening is you're radiating it and what you're radiating is becoming visible. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on The Bottom Line with Joey L. On the New Evolution Radio Network. Take out a dollar. Turn it, turn it all on the back side. Look up in the right-hand corner of over the eagle's head. What do you see? All right. That's the law of correspondence. As above, so below. As within, so without. As without, so within. When you get power of the Spirit, from the Spirit, you have power in heaven, which is in mind, as well as power on the earth, which is in body. Very important to understand that because the power you're receiving is not to rule somebody else, it's to rule yourself. To heal yourself. To master yourself. To transform yourself. That's what power is for. Then, go heal someone else. If you need a patient, it is you. If you need some pupils, you got them. If you want to do any teaching, 
upon you. That's your goal. You are your own responsibility. The greatest, most important person you'll ever meet down here is you. <laughs> you must save you. Even the sister that goes to church is saving herself. But there's so much more that you can do besides go to church. I don't knock church. I'm glad it's there because it, it, it's a, a, a God sin and a God save for black folks. The church is an intricate part of our predicament in the Western Hemisphere. We are, most assuredly, as history relates us, spiritual people. Religion is the beginning of spirituality. Unfortunately, it appears it's becoming interference <laughs> to let Reverend find out more or let folks know he knows more, one or the other. Some of them short step some of them do know and not tell me. I don't want to get into that. I'm getting all off here. Okay. Law. Put on the mind of God is what you have to do. What does that mean? Go get something. You already got it. El Fatah. Open. <clears throat> is your work. The becoming is your work. Everything you need, you got it. If somebody says, be ye perfect, you'd have to already be perfect because you can't put pieces together to make perfect those apart. Perfect is one. Undivided. Unbroken. Complete. Well, brother, let me tell you something. You already got it. You already are it. You just don't know it. And what I mean is, this thing here does not know it is perfect. It keeps telling you you're making mistakes. You don't know what you're doing. You can't do that. You don't know how to do that. I'm poor. I ain't got. I don't know what. That ain't where the mind of Christ works. But that's what you want to quiet in your mind. And put, I can. I know how. I am. I so desire. For whatever it is you so desire, you decree it, declare it, and proclaim it. That's how you get it. Because that's how you got everything else you got. As to whether you did it consciously or subconsciously, it doesn't matter. You have three levels of mind. The super, the conscious, and the subconscious. And you think on all three of them. <coughs> it's what you're thinking that makes the difference. If your subconscious keeps making you make mistakes, it's because you keep telling it to do so. And as long as you tell your mind it's broken, it's going to behave like a broken mind. It's going to keep you poor, hungry, and scared. That's imperfect. Turn that shit around. I am G-O-D right now. I am master, able, and noble right now. 
That's your prayer. For transforming yourself to G-O-D. And don't accept anything less than that. Stop being a servant. Stop groveling in your prayers. Claim your divinity. Claim your godhood. Claim the knowledge of the universe. Claim your wealth. Noble Drew Ali told the Moors, each and every one of you is supposed to inherit a million dollars. And he said that in 1920-something. How many millionaires we got now? Hell, you can't... What do you mean not many? We got so many, we can't even count them, man. Where are you living at? I'm trying to tell you something. You have to get you past poverty with this. Quit thinking, poor. Quit thinking, I don't have it. I don't... I can't get it. Don't look up and see somebody else hit the numbers for $20 million and they tell yourself, I, I can't... I, I, I ain't... I. What the hell are you talking about? Why can't you turn around and tell yourself just the opposite? I didn't win 20 million. That's what the sister did when she opened up the Bible. And the Spirit told her to read those verses in that chapter. And then when she got ready to close the book, the Spirit told her, don't close that book, write them numbers down. <laughs> and and, and, and carried them to the window. Wait a minute, I'm talking about right here in New York. A black woman who used to scrub floors for a living. Six million dollars that weekend. She ain't scrubbing nobody's damn floors no more. You know what I'm saying? You know? Quit reaching for the bottom. And the money's on top. Real money. And, and don't ask God for some money. Because a penny is money. And he'll give you a penny if you ask for a penny. You know what I'm saying? Quit asking for cheap shit. <laughs> damn supermarket full of steaks you go in there and buy some damn beans and rice what is you doing you know, you know get up here why is it you don't think you're supposed to live a wonderful pleasant prosperous life who told you you wasn't supposed to do that nobody but you well, quit doing that. Yeah, quit going for the okey-doke. It's okey-doke. I'm poor. It's okey-doke. I ain't got shit. It's okey-doke. Yeah. I'm sick. It's okey-doke. Yeah. I don't know shit. It's okey-doke. <laughs> quit, quit going for okey-doke. You hear me? Now, I'm talking to your spirit. Because that's what's going to get you out of poverty. And that's what's going to get you out of hell. Is the God within yourself. That's the one you're looking for. That's your best friend. And that's the only one who will be with you forever. When Jesus goes somewhere else, that God will still be there. You sure enough want to make him and her your best friend. A God that will always tell you the truth. Only if you will always Listen, when you stop listening, everybody starts telling you a lie, because that's what you're looking for. When you stop listening to your own truth, 
take the responsibility of being God. How do you get there? One way, and one way only, by desire. You have to want to be God. You can't get there no other way. Psychological assumption automatically provides the means to fulfill the dream desire is the law of mind in action. The psychological assumption automatically provides the means to fulfill the dream desire. If you do not have the desire to become God, you are not going to become God, certainly not by accident. That's a car running over you. Not God. You have to have it in here. If you want to be a servant, that's already in there. That's easy. Upgrade. You heard the statement, all grow up. Well, yeah, grow up. <laughs> And find out you might be 25 feet tall. <laughs> That's a Reverend Biscuit in me coming out there. Have you made a lot of money out of your music? Money. I mean, what is, how, much is, how much is a lot of money to you? Yeah, that's a good question. Have, have you made, say, millions of dollars? No. Are you a rich man? When you mean rich, what do you mean? You have a lot of possessions, a lot of well, money in the bank. Possession make you rich? I don't, I don't have that type of richness. My richness is life forever. Keep it locked. You're tuned in to the hottest radio network on the planet, Evolution Radio. Let me tell you about it. 
I wanna tell you about it. Heads up, everybody run. Cold outside and he say he got a gun. Niggas like, man, that's what everybody said. Go and pop the trunk and everybody dead. Everybody scared of the nigga aware that the nigga is better. All my bitches sick of the litter, never bitter. Niggas is fake anime. Me, I never hate the cake like anime. Whoa, eat the cake, bitch, eat the damn cake. Uh, fuck good, nigga, we the man great. On the domino, that she take off all the glow, nigga. You know how I go, made the pizza man wait. The best kept secret, even hoes try to keep it, then I let the damn tape. Uh, rest in peace, any nigga won't be sick and serve couldn't keep the man safe. I said to the window, to the world, my nigga proud with our code. Got bitches all in my mind, fuck niggas black in my shine. I know the reason you feel the way, I know just who you want be. So every day I take the man upstairs, that ain't you, you ain't me. Get off my dick. Niggas, I come home and now don't tell nobody. They getting temporary going, now don't tell nobody. So will you tell me if I change? I won't tell nobody. I wanna go back to Jermaine and now don't tell nobody. This is the part that the thugs skip. Young nigga never had love, you know. Foot massage, back rub shit. Blowing bubbles in the bathtub shit. That is until I met you. Together we done watch years go by. See the river, your tears go by. Got me thinking about some kids still. I tell them hoes come through. Get to know somebody and you really learn a lot about them. Won't be long for you start to doubt them. Tell yourself you better off without them. Then in time you will find can't walk without them. Can't talk without them. Can't breathe without them. Came here together, you can't leave without them. So you walk back in, make a scene about them. On your A. Marie, it's just one thing about them. It's called love. Niggas don't sing about it no more. Don't nobody sing about it no more. No more. Niggas don't sing about it no more Don't nobody sing about it no more Nigga don't sing about it shit, But there a nigga in the club singing To the window, to the world My nigga round with that cold Got bitches all in my mind Fuck niggas black in my side I know the reason you feel the way I know the who you won't be So every day I take a man upstairs That ain't you and you ain't me Get off my dick But there a nigga in the club singing keep us on a downward spiral of picking up on the database of human consciousness and all of its woes and complaints and fears and doubts and worries that move through the mind of the human experience. The real life visioning process is based upon asking questions 
that are empowering, that empower us. What's trying to emerge in my life? What gift do I have to give? How much power can flow through me? This is how it works. Behind every problem that we have, there's a question trying to ask itself. Behind every question, there's an answer trying to be revealed. Behind every answer, there's an action trying to be taken. And behind every action, there's a way of life trying to be born. So if you're perennially stuck in disempowering questions, your perception becomes very small, you become reactionary, and the actions that you take are just busyness, survival busyness has nothing to do with embracing a large goal or a great vision for your life. So we ask, and I implore you to ask powerful questions. We want to ask questions. What gift am I to give to the world? What is trying to emerge in my life? You could even ask, what is my next step to take in the downloading, the articulation, and the living of my vision. Now here's the deal. As you begin to ask empowering questions, you begin to activate the soul faculty of hearing. One of the arts that have been lost in our world is the art of listening. Individuals fail to listen and they fail to comprehend. Listening is a lost art. You want to bring listening back in your spiritual practice. So in life visioning, as we begin to feel that we're surrounded by a universal presence of divine love, we begin to ask the question, what is the vision for my life? What is the universe seeking to express through me? What is the idea that the universe is trying to make as my life? What's trying to emerge? And then we have a moment of pure listening. Without judgment or censorship, we just begin to listen. And that which is called the still, small voice, we begin to understand. It be, after a while becomes the only voice. The chatter in the mind, we no longer hear that. We begin to hear what's trying to emerge. I want you to begin to practice for a moment. I want you to begin, even with your eyes open, first with your eyes open, begin to feel that you're surrounded by an atmosphere of love. The universe is for you. There's nothing against you. Begin to think about times in your life where someone really supported you and loved you. They got you. They understood you. They weren't trying to get anything from you. They just loved you. I want you to feel into that. And I want you to understand that that is just a small figment of how the universe loves you. Just a little bit. But feel into that love right now. Now close your eyes. And feel that you're in a safe environment and you are truly loved. With every breath you take, that feeling of being loved is being amplified. Remember your on purpose, you are an on purpose with a purpose to reflect and to reveal the cosmos in a way that has never quite happened before. Now ask this question, what idea is the universe trying, 
And why do I say that? Because after 46 years and teaching you morons for 23 years, you want to take the easy way out. Because you think life is a journey. That is horseshit. Life's a journey if you're a moron and you're retarded. That's why, you know, that's what, that's what you've done with the life up heretofore. It's been a journey. And how good is the fucking journey? You tell me. Wouldn't you have rather, when the first time you went out with somebody that you thought you were in love with, thought is the operative word, wouldn't you have lied to have a, a template? Oh, let's follow this process instead of, because that is a journey. And all the mistakes you made, and raising this fucking little shithead for kids you got, instead of having this book. Life doesn't have to be a journey. It's a journey for morons. Do you think life is a journey for the Trump kids? It's a motherfucking process, the same process his daddy raised him by. Same for me. Life ain't a journey if you're my kid. It's a goddamn process. So you tell me if you're results-orientated at all, Who's better off, the journey or the process? And for the most part, most people in this room and most people listening on YouTube have to come to the realization, as sad as it is, that you have pissed, you have urinated, heretofore, up until this morning, your entire life down a fucking shithole. Very simple. That's it. If you want to create massive wealth. If you just want to be a happy, slappy housewife from fucking Dundee or a happy, slappy bimbo from fucking Toronto or a happy, slappy guy who goes to the Little League games in Mesa, Arizona, then that's okay. But if you want to create some fucking money, and money's not everything, but if you don't money, think money can buy happiness, you don't know where to fucking shop. Say that with an Irish accent. If you don't know 
Okay. If, <laughs> if you don't think money can buy happiness, you don't know where to shop. If you don't think money can buy happiness, you don't know where to shop. Correct. <laughs> uh, correct. And, but I mean, you can get money and then go save the world. You can get money and save the forests in Brazil. You make money and go save global warming, which I don't believe in. You can, I mean, and save the, uh, the kids in Biafra and all that shit. But without money, you can't save a fucking thing. Don't you understand? Don't the fucking idiots on YouTube understand that? Until you make some shekels. Until you make some fucking coin. You can't help anybody. Because if love got the job done, you wouldn't all be fucked up. And I've had mothers, daughters, grandfather, daughter, uh, son. I've run three generations of the gamut in this seminar here. And they all say the exact same thing. The daughter looks to the mother, you fucked me up. The, do- the mother looks to the father, you fucked me up. And they all agree. And where it really gets dicey is the second or, three day, second or third days after they have a few drinks, a few pops. Then it gets, can get fucking ugly, as Sally would say. Fucking ugly. Nothing like a mother to turn on her daughter or vice versa. Nothing like it. It's like in the fucking movies. It's like a goddamn soap opera. Because that's life. And if we admit it to ourselves, then we have an opportunity to move on. If we don't, then we're just fucked in the quagmire. The mighty set. Santana, what's up? More like a movement you need be in tune with. Killer the dawn, what's good? Crack music, crack. Diplomatic community, 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 community,
Leave me alone, I go flip mode Don't care if you black with a big nose White with big toes Just how the shit goes The kid with the sick flow Jewelry, got Bruce Leroy Slash Slick Rick Glow Fuck is you, Negro She's crazy Do you know what the fifth is? Yes, Father, I know what the fifth is. The fifth is that if you can't on the ground, then I'm a criminal. The fifth commandment. Thou shalt not kill. That's right. Now I want you to tell me what happened. No, Father. I'm not telling nobody nothing. Don't be afraid, my son. Nobody's more powerful than God. I don't know about that, Father. Your guy's bigger than my guy up there. But my guy's bigger than your guy down here. There we go. Peace to the gods. I think that my mic was off. All right. So peace to the gods. Welcome to the show right here. Metaphysics Thursday, Quantum Realities. What we're discussing tonight. I'm your host, Joy Bounce L. Bay. Call the number. If you want to call in the Highland, it's 516-531-9318. I'm going to make more commerce.com. Holler at me over there. So we're just getting back in the swing of things um, where I'm able to actually stay consistent with some shows so because um, I've had a lot going on so I appreciate y'all patience so tonight I wanted to dive into this topic right and and, and this topic is it, it's one that um, I think a lot of people probably don't understand okay we're talking about 
you know, quantum reality, quantum theory, um, the Merkaba, the light body, things like that. So um, I want to go into this today because when we talk about quantum reality, you can't talk about this without talking about the light body, as they call it, right? And when we talk about light body and meditation, um, even subjects like time travel, right, the body of light, has to be talked about and the body of light sometimes is also known as what they call the astral body right and this is where you get the whole term astral projection from right it deals with a quasi material right as i said it's an aspect of the human body right so basically being um neither solely physical nor solely spiritual right but it is uh it is the the star tetrahedron or the luciform body as they call it okay um or the celestial body right and so the concept basically derives um from um if you, you can go back to plato right and there was an interesting book that uh plato had written and i don't know if i can remember the name of it or not um but there was a book that plato had written where he, he talked about basically um you know being present at his own funeral and shit like that and, and you know basically being able to travel outside of his own body right but um the the astral plane right it, it talked about the seven heavens right and anytime you talk about the seven heavens in religious or uh, mythological cosmology this refers to the levels right um that there are in heaven the different divisions that there are in heaven so when we talk about the light body, right, the concept of the astral body or the body of light, right, it deals with the idea that um, once you are able to either transition by way of meditation or by way of uh, the transition known as death, then you enter into what's known as a stage of light, light body. And this is where that book I read um, comes in. And the book, there's two of them. There's the Balls of Fire, um, and then the other one, and it's written by Judy K. King. Okay, so there's the Balls of Fire, and then there's the Isis thesis, right? It talks about how your aura essentially would uh, bring you to a state of of light, right? Depending upon how you manipulate your own energy. Right, very interesting concept, right? Just with um, ethereal elements, ethereal beings, things like that. And we talk about the ether, right? Ether nine, um, or or anything that's ethereal, it deals with the fact that light could travel in what's known as a vacuum, right? And reach a, and reach a destination within, you know, milliseconds, you know, if if even that. So we're gonna get into that tonight, right? And I I really like these type of topics right it, it helps us to be able to continue to expand our thinking um because you know we we are in a quantum world right we are in quantum realities if you will so we're going to dive into this tonight i got some good clips for you uh hopefully this information will resonate with you um if it doesn't that's fine as well um but i'll play a series of clips tonight and we'll get right into it, all right? So you right here on Metaphysics Thursday. I'm your host, Joy Bounce, L. Bay. Ali, why not, right? So we're going to dive into it, man. I want to say peace to everybody out there. 
Hope we find you in abundance. We're going to dive right into the clip without further ado. Um, are you the same age in universe B, that parallel universe that you are in this universe now? Uh, more than likely, yeah. But, uh... uh Um, are you the same age in universe B, that parallel universe that you are in this universe now? Uh, more than likely, yeah. But, uh, but, but remember now, in that particular universe, age is not really a factor. Right, um, but you wouldn't be, like, born like a baby there and an adult there. No, no, you would be the same. Okay, it seems like we have some technical difficulties, so we'll take a quick break and we'll come right back. Right, but... We're talking about a spiritual sense now, so right, um, which is which, which is good because uh, 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 which sets up the next question because a lot of people always ask, well, uh, what it's gonna be like, mm-hmm. and um, isn't it very the return of the God? You could it will be like the appearance of what you would want it to be. So let's say based on age, you would probably be the same age, mm-hmm. but um. It would be uh, based on your thoughts mm-hmm. and the chakras. Mm-hmm. If the chakras is what what is really over there, true, right? It's right. an illuminated being. It's called a, a, a glorified spirit, and it can be whatever you want it to be, whatever form you want it to be, how beautiful you want it to be, how mm-hmm. tall you want it to be, mm-hmm. based on how you think, right? And 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 and. and, and um, are you the same in the universe that parallel you see. It would be like that, but on the other hand, yeah, um, it probably the universe be going to be uh, your soul is thousands of years old and you also have thousands of incarnations. So, if you ask the question, which is a good question, would you be the same age? No, because if you were going to be the same age, let's say if I'm 48 years old, or 49, I'm 49 years old, mm-hmm. well, my soul is way older than that. Mm-hmm. Right, right. My right. soul is, is, is my soul is thousands of years old, so I don't think it would do that, but as far as you being another replica over there, uh, you another replica over there, um, on a much more glorified spirit, it would be a connection, so. Gotcha, right. You probably... You know, you probably would appear whatever age you wanted to be. Right. You see. Yeah. Yeah. So something cool. like that. Thank you so much. Uh, uh-huh. Think of it as what you, how you think a god would be. Right. And what you would, whatever aspect of a god would be, would be infinite possibility. Right. And 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 apply that to this particular entity in the other realm, in the awesome. other universe. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Thank okay. you. Calling from. 
Peace Remix family, Miss Blue, Brother Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year to everyone. Yes, okay. All right. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Question is, um, just for a little bit more clarity, um, if I heard you correctly, you said that uh, on the other side we are being prepared for exaltation. And um, I kind of related that to when you said that uh, Gary Coleman was being returned to the fairy realm. Yeah, and he mm-hmm. was right. being, he was returning he was returning as their king. So I know that we all have our our own re- reality, and at the same time we have a collective reality. So how mm-hmm. do we how do we understand exactly what it means to be um, exalted in another realm? And does that mean that we are being caught up in the twinkling of an eye and all of that? How does how does how well, does that, that part will happen? That, that part will happen. All this is just going to disappear. But what we're saying is basically, look at it on, a, on an alchemical level, uh, uh, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a, a formula level of energies. We're just rising to our highest levels of the glorified spirits. So um, even with Barry Coleman, when he went back that way, and he was a part of that, ultimately when this thing is all done, we are not only are we be just like the gods or the angelic host that we look at as the nettles or anything like that, but we will even have our own particular universe um, uh, uh, within us or within our mind or within our entire essence. So really, um, really, you can only uh, speculate because the simple fact has never been done before is a good way to say it. That's, that's the beautiful part about this. It's more of an experience um, that we, that, you know, that we, uh, that we'll be coming into, um, then to give you the whole basic, uh, synopsis of what something is and stuff, because it's never been done before. So we can basically just, you know, try to give you, um, some type of, you know, um, layout of, of what this thing is. And like I said before, we talk about infinite possibilities would be the ultimate aspect of that. Uh, like I always say, take whatever God you've been reading and anybody you ever admired enough to be a supernatural being that you would even be worthy of worshiping and apply that to your situation that's coming down the tube because that's what we're returning to. You see what I'm saying? I don't want to put limitations on it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. On something that I know that we, we ultimately uh, are going to have to experience the manifestation of, but, you know, the manifestation of it. And we're at the first level of a consciousness that's coming into being. And basically the consciousness is the more and more you go through this consciousness, the more you are clear about things. I'm more clear about things than I was 10 years ago. I'm even greater. I was even more clear than I was 15 years ago. So it's always a, a, a clarity um, that will happen and stuff. And it's almost like a, it's like an essence of just knowing or just being. So it, it's all coming to you. You see what I'm saying? But I don't want to uh, 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 limit it with just, you know, trying to, you know, sum up some stuff on uh, and give you an idea on how it's going to be. Whatever it is, it's going to be um, right now at the level that we are dealing with with our mind. It's so so vast beyond that until, you know, you know, it's like a dog. No matter how much he says what he want to do, like I said, he, he want to be a human. And I'm going to go and I'm going to get my apple, you know what I'm saying, and I'm going to scratch my balls in the eat. you know what I'm saying? And all this kind of thing here, I'm I'm going to sniff this realm of uh, other dogs' asses and stuff. But he's he's, he's thinking of what a human would be, but he's a human. He's a dog, and he's trying to give you a concept of what a a human would be, but he's a dog. It's the same thing when it comes to these gods and stuff like that. It could just be, 
Yeah, yeah, don't stay up. So in your mind, part of being grown is you get to stay up late. So therefore, have your pride now. See, sleep is a journey into the other realm. When you when you go to sleep, you go to the dream realm. The dream realm is the real world. This is the illusionary world. I talked about that last night. This is the illusionary world. When you go to speak, you go to the real world. It's just that the phenomenon in this world, the illusionary phenomenon, can't manifest what you see in that world, so it has to manifest what's in this world, and you get all this crazy shit. You know, you ride the bicycle, ride, eat some ice cream, and talk on the telephone at the same time. But every now and then, you go to that realm, and, and the dream realm will give you lucid dreams to give you warnings and visions into this world and what needs to be done while you're in this particular hellhole. But that is the realm on the other side, the dream realm. One of the things is going to be fought on the dream realm, which is the real realm. Now, what you need to do is get you either some chamomile tea, some valerian, that's real good. Take by four of them. Valerian root. Uh, stuff that puts you to sleep. That's the natural stuff. Other stuff is strong in there. All that other stuff, you know. But you want to try to get a certain amount of sleep. We're not talking about regular sleep. We're talking about deep sleep. See, it's a difference. You get sleep, but you don't get a deep sleep. The deep sleep, when you get a deep sleep, the eupatrocide state, you go into your higher self. So the key is we don't get deep sleep because we live in an early state with all these lights. And, you know, like when you sleep out, you wake up several times a night and you go right back to sleep. You don't get a deep sleep like a sedated sleep. Now, anybody tell you that when you get shot or you get sick, the first thing the doctor tells you is you need to rest. Because that's what regenerates the body. Especially with us, because we heal ourselves overnight, because that's what melanin does. You heal yourself by it. So, this particular sleep that we're talking about, you get a deep sleep, you go in that particular realm, and you can also heal yourself. Now, listen, that's called Greenland. Dreamland on alternative dimensions accessible through a person's dream. Early in life, most people could enter into Greenland at will. But by adulthood approaches, average adulthood approaches, this gateway closes to the majority of dreamers or humanity. Only a few adults are able to been able to enter into this land again through some form of narcotics or simply a dedicated breathing. Some physical portholes between dreamland uh, in the, uh, and the waking world do exist. But these gateways are few and often found in dangerous locales in the between both realms. Now, they say that these dreamlands do happen with these children. That's why children have all these nightmares. But they close up. So, what happens is, is this. This star, the reflection the more the less sleep you get, you you hear this is the doorway. The more sleep you get, the more and more you get closer to the doorway. The less sleep you get, the more and more you go from the doorway. So sleep is really it's like a build up. 
So the more sleep you get, this deep sleep, the more and more you get to this doorway. Now what happens is, when you first start taking these particular keys, or the valerian, uh, that's the one. You take four or five of them. When you wake up, you'll be drowned. You just drink a lot of water. The water will dilute fast, and you can wake up there. You drink a lot of water. Now what happens here is, um, when you uh, take these things, you're going to feel, when you first do it the first day, you'll feel rested, and if you do it about two or three days, you'll wake up feeling real bad. That's because that's called the melancholy stage, and that particular stage is these particular images raising up through the body and it's purifying the system and detoxifying the system. And all. But a lot of the spiritual things that you need to happen and a lot of the energy that you need to happen is going to come based on the amount of sleep you get. But we're not talking about regular breath. We're talking about deep sleep. So however you can date your ass, do it. <laughs> All right, all right, we back. So, interesting, interesting information, right? And and I think that um, you know this information, if you take it for you know for what it is, and you know <laughs> you have to have a very open mind, but. I think one thing that we can all relate to is the, is the dream state, right? Which the brother talked about in the video, right? And and the the dream state um, is not the waking state, right? Because the dream is defined as a succession of images and emotions and ideas and sensations that occur uh, involuntarily, right? And like the brother said, he says, well, you know, um, that's the real world. So then you would have to ask the question is if that's the real world and in that world you are more spiritual than you are anything else what is this world right see humans spend on average about two hours a night dreaming right that's on average right so then the rest of the time your body is repairing itself and stuff like that so the content and the function of your dreams right what really has to be um, evaluated, right? You know, by yourself, obviously, because it's your dream. But that's why I said it's a good idea to, um, you know, have a notebook and write down your interpretation, you know, of what the dream was. And so the study of, of a dream is called it's called one eology, right? And I might not even be saying it right, but one eology is the study of dreams. Right, and you go back to Mesopotamia and ancient Egypt, all of that, you will see where um, they've studied dreams for thousands of years, right? And so this is where they they got the whole thing of the rapid eye movement, right? Where where you know you're, or they call it REM REM sleep, right? And it's, it deals with your brain activity, what's going on in your brain. Uh, and they've even done this for people who have had um, the NDEs, which are the near-death experiences and things like that, to see what is actually going on with the activity of the brain when they're asleep, right? The consciousness is obviously somewhere else, 
Okay, so um, the next clip I want to play, and, I, and this is a very interesting lecture, um, and I'm going to let it run so you can get the gist of it. Um, but this next bit of information will cover uh, the Merkaba, right, and the light vessel, right, and um, it was always taught to me that the Merkaba, right. Um, in addition to it being the light vessel is essentially how you would ride up out of here right you would you would activate the light body you would ride out of here now then there's a awesome book that you guys should check out it's called beyond the flower of life um it's by uh, maureen germain right very interesting book um that, that goes more into this right um, but I'm going to play this clip and we'll get into it. Um, and remember, th- this information would resonate with you, um, you know, on the level that your consciousness is at, right? So, all right, we're going to play this clip and we'll be back. First and foremost, we have to concede that we're dealing with uh, We come here to learn. We're here for a pursuit of knowledge. We have an emotional connection to everybody in this room. We're here for a reason. Today, you're going to learn. Listen to Billy, please. Conscious Life Expo 2020. Welcome, my friend. Mr. Billy Carson. Thank you. Thanks, Jenny. I really appreciate that, man. So today, we're here. This is my logo for the Mystery School, which was made by Gaia actually years ago. One of the first images they ever gave me to promote the Gaia program uh, when I was on Deep Space and a few other things. Uh, it's like a marketing piece, but it's a phenomenal piece. It really is showing to me the elevation of consciousness and walking through that, uh, which is really a star tetrahedron at the top, uh, kind of in the seat of life pattern, which is the Merkaba. But today we're going to talk about Merkaba quantum walking, and we're going to talk about the Merkaba, what it is. But I'm going to get very scientific, okay? And But I'm going to do it in a way that everybody's going to be able to understand what I'm saying. The way that I do my lectures and the way that I teach is more based on physics and sciences, esoteric wisdom, and knowledge from ancient sages, and handed down verbal histories as well, so that I can give you a breakdown of how this stuff works. Because the biggest problem that I find in society is when it comes to knowledge is we've learned how to memorize the answers, and we don't know how to get to the answer. If I give you a multiplication test right now, everybody in here, I hope, <laughs> I hope, can give me the answer to two times two and four times four and so forth and so on. But how do you know the answer? Because you memorize the answers. You just went down the answer column as a kid, and you memorized, oh, when I see this, it's this. But did you ever take the time to figure out why two times two equals this, why five times five equals this? A lot of people have never taken the time to do that, and that just transcends into every other aspect of life. We're taught to just know answers. We're taught in school to be good test takers, okay, but never really understanding the process to get from A to B. And so what I like to do when I uh, teach these things, because we're dealing with spirituality, but spirituality is deeply entangled with 
quantum physics and quantum mechanics. You can't escape it. You just can't. When I show you today what I'm going to show you, you're going to realize it can't be separated. They both, two go together. Science and mainstream wants you to think spirituality over here and science over here. That's to keep you, that's another divide and conquer tactic to keep you from reaching your ultimate goal of spiritual attainment. Okay? So we're going to talk about the fundamental underlying basis of why this stuff actually works. And we're going to spend some time on that because when you walk out of here today, the main thing they want everybody to take with them is now I understand when I think this way, when I think that way, when I pray this way, when I do this or when I do that, this is why it's working. Because you will be able to see the step-by-step process and actually visualize something in your head that's actually really truly happening. And I think when you can visualize what's happening, you know what's happening, versus relying on thinking it's a magic sky daddy with a magic wand, like, bing, it happened, you know, some kind of genie coming out of a bottle, your wishes by command. I think when I take that part of it away and give you the, the power into yourself and let you understand, oh, the power's in me, and I can do this, and I can do that, and this is why I can do this and I can do that, I think it's going to be a lot more, a lot better for you and a lot better for your family and people that you try to show the information to. Um, so without further ado, let's get into it. I always play my little intro here. I, I like this intro. I'm that red guy. <laughs> Like Jimmy said, I'm a field researcher, um, and this is important for me to say because people need to understand I'm not just on Google searching images um, and not to take anything away from people that's all that they have access to because that's better than the average person. But to get to the level that I'm teaching at, you have to get out in the field and you got to get your hands dirty. You have to get out there and talk to homegrown researchers. You have to get out there and talk to homegrown uh, archaeologists, people who come from that area, from that region, indigenous people. You can't rely on this generalized, you know, Wikipedia-type information. And sometimes you can't really rely on everybody's YouTube videos either. you got to go out there for yourself and get some answers for yourself and then compare it to everything else that you heard, saw, and read, and then take the information that you can best do it and piece it together. Here I'm at the Great Pyramid of Giza. I'm inside the uh, King's Chamber, and I'm standing right next to that box they call a sarcophagus. I can't even fit in that box. It's too tall. I'm six foot four. My feet, you know, I'm like come up to my chest and I got inside of that thing. Uh, but what's really amazing is the exact dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant used to sit inside that box. And the reason why they chased Moses, who was really truly Akhenaten, the reason why they chased Akhenaten down after he fled from Egypt, well, first Akhenaten fled from Egypt, he, he was kicked out of Egypt, I should say, because he was defacing all the gods. Yeah, the sun disk, Aten, or Amun, Amun Ra, Amen, the Amen gave him the order to deface all gods or be no other gods but him. He ushered in monotheistic mindset into Egypt, and he was erasing history of the hieroglyphs. That's where all the broken faces and noses come from, sorry to say. I thought initially, too, what I had heard the rumors of, you see why you can't listen to YouTube and stuff like that, until I got on the airplane and went out there for myself and saw um, temples that had 8,000-year-old hieroglyphs that were all chipped off. There was nobody going, I got to shift these off to hide the fact of who these people were. No, sorry. It was done by Amon Ra. It's, it's in the, uh, you know, it's in the glyphs. Amon Ra ordered it. And Akhenaten fled out of there and left out of there with that Ark of the Covenant. And when the Pharaoh realized that he took the source of power, 
the new pharaoh, they had to chase him down. And he didn't cross the Red Sea. That's a mistranslation in the King James Bible. He crossed the Sea of Reeds, a much closer and much smaller sea as well. And that's uh, just by translating down into Aramaic. You can easily figure that out. But a lot of people know about it in terms of the people that are teaching the information, but they'll never change the story because it just sounds, the historical version, the mythological version sounds too fantastic. Um, yeah, so it's really amazing stuff. Uh, the, the ancient Egyptians had meters per second. They had a metric system in ancient times. Forget about what you know about, oh, we just got the metric system and so forth and so on, 1960, whatever. That's garbage. Whoever that was, I think John, I forgot the gentleman's name at this moment, he probably found these proto-Sumerian tablets that were found in Mexico, which are well documented that they had a metric system back then, proto-Sumerian. Proto-Sumerian found in the South Americas, okay, on this side of the ocean. Uh, they had a metric system in. And, you know, what's really amazing is the speed of light can be discovered in the, um, at the, low, or the, the longitude of the Grand Gallery. It's the same digital speed of light in meters per second. This whole structure was designed this way for a specific reason, to let us know how technologically advanced these beings were. And uh, they turned the, uh, the Great Pyramid into a multifunctional stone computer. This is me at the Temple of Abydos. So I'm standing there actually pointing directly up. Um, kind of blurred up here, I guess. Maybe it's better on the corners. Um, I'm pointing up at these glyphs. It's about maybe uh, 40 meters above my head. But these glyphs were not re-etched over, re-carved over, what the mainstream would tell you. If you get the homegrown archaeologists like I had, they will tell you that they're told to say that by the uh, tourism board, to tell everybody that, these, oh, these are just mistakes or accidents. They didn't really exist. No. He said not only did they, are they carved that way, but there's many more around the region, and he showed me the other one. Okay. And some of those I had to pay off pyramid priests and guards to go into underground crypts and stuff to get down there to see these things and take pictures of them. So they're real. It's not just this one spot that, at Abydos. Just there, there are depictions of advanced technology all over Egypt. I'm at the top of Ole Tutumbo, uh in Peru. This is an amazing trip. Um, I saw so much stuff there that would just blow you away. Uh, you know, I'm at the Assyrian Temple which is right by Abydos, where they discovered the flower of life symbol. I don't know if you can see it from where you are, etched into a pillar, a bite, an, 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 etched into it like on the atomic level. Not carved or chipped into the stone, but atomically etched directly into the pillars there, the flower of life, which is everything to do with the pure energy that creates everything we see in the third dimension. They knew about that 10,000, 15,000 years ago. I think the Osirian's even older than that. In my opinion, the Osirian's probably around 50 to 60,000 years old. Uh, here at Machu Picchu, you know, just kind of giving you guys an idea. I mean, I've been all around the world, Saskatchewan. I've been to, um, uh, this is my guide here, Elvis. His name is actually Elvis. <laughs> He's a homegrown indigenous. Behind these stones here, the reason why I took a picture of those stones, right behind those stones is gold. It's protected by the military. Um, still gold behind the, a lot of these stones. And here I'm in um, Cambodia at Angkor Wat. Here I'm at Tao Prom and uh, showing these dinosaurs. This is just one place in the world that you can see dinosaurs and human beings at the same time. Dinosaurs with the meat on their bones, which means they know what they look like, <laughs> obviously. Uh, it's hard to kind of extrapolate what this thing would look like, but if you go to Gobekli Tepe, you got those 13,000-year-old columns with, with dinosaurs. You go to Lake Michigan, and they discovered a Stonehenge in the bottom of Lake Michigan with extra what? Dinosaurs with the meat on their bones. 
So man and dinosaur walk the earth together at the same time. Here I'm in Acre City, Greece at a dig site. This is an ancient dig site, one of the Atlantean civilizations. And the, what was so amazing here was that they still had flushing toilets from the second floor level down. And they had a suction system to suck away the smell away from your house. Uh, they, we need those now, I think. <laughs> they incorporate that new technology. Uh, you, saw, you saw like uh, blocks that were maybe eight to ten feet thick with tiny holes starting from one side going all the way into the other. Incredible. And piping that looked like plumbing piping that looked like PVC plastic. All here at this dig site. I did a huge article and showed a lot of the photos. It's on my blog on Forbidden Knowledge. Uh, here I'm standing on the top of the Pyramid of the Moon with Stoke dedicated to his wife. It's actually eight pyramids built into one. That's where the Pyramid of the Moon is. And behind me is the Pyramid of the Sun and, and the avenue that is down below. I've been to the Yucatan. I mean, I've just been to so many places. So, you know, the point of this is just to say, you know, if, if you didn't know, I'm a world traveler. I've been around the world two and a half times now, and I'm continuing to travel. In 2020, I've got uh, the Kailash Temple, the Lord Temple. Both are mountains that carved out from the inside, from the outside going in. I'm going to do a documentary on both of those technology used uh, to cover those. I just came back from Australia, eight miles out from the Australian bush with fires all around. Uh, one site we couldn't get to was already destroyed. Uh, the cave painting, 8,000-year-old cave painting site, and already it was gone. But we got to, and it wasn't documented, which was the bad part. It was poorly, like, poorly drained video, uh, you know, images and videos. Are just, you couldn't even really make out what was there. But the, when I got to my site, the site that I really, really went for at Terrence Young 9, I was able to very clearly document these proto-Egyptian glyphs and also Pleiadian glyphs. Pleiadian glyphs. So this gospel documentary work, gospel glyphs documentary is going to be mind-blowing. And I got to get with elders and everything else. And the craziest part was we're eight miles out in the bush. We decided to camp out on a cliff face, take a break, and we hear the bushes rustling behind us. And we're like, there's nothing but the cliff and this bush. Is this an animal? Two people come out the bush. They're stumbling around completely lost. It happens, the guy, the guy said sometimes people are there for three or four days. They were so happy to see human beings. <laughs> and the guy goes, mate, you're Billy Carson. <laughs> I got your book. I said, what? <laughs> Can I take a selfie with his neck? Not water, not food. He wasn't even his girlfriend or anything. She was looking completely different. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Let me get out of there and everything. That was wild. Like you can't just stumble into the bush and find these glyphs. I, I mean, even if you gave me a map, I wouldn't have found it. That's how difficult it was to get to. And uh, there's a ritual to get to these glyphs. You have to go for the Aborigine elders. If you walk down on one of these ancient sacred sites, it's an insult. It's like slapping or spitting them in the face. You have to come from the bottom coming up, which means a glyph or an area that has artifacts that can take you maybe 15, 20 minutes to get to might take you an hour and a half because you've got to go all the way around the long way so you can come from the bottom coming up to show respect. Yeah, so it's a lot to it. It was, it was, you know, it was a great day. It was a great day. I've done that. I've been hiking 37 miles in the Cambodian jungle, you know, 100-degree uh, temperature, 100% humidity every single day, you know. So, 
Yeah, it's just been an amazing ride. So I'm here to give you information today to talk about some of the information that I've learned, uh, you know, from the Pyramid Priest with regards to the Merkaba. And when I learned this information and how powerful it really truly is, I learned it had a lot to do with light, actual light, and becoming a light being and understanding that we are a light being. So we're going to talk a lot today about light and the aspect of light, what light is really all about. And we're going to talk about how that interacts with your consciousness and uh, how it allows you to manifest your reality. So a variety of, a variety of mystery religions existed in the ancient world, such as the mystery of uh, Demeter and Eleusis, Mithras and the Orpheus. You know, you heard of Morpheus on the Matrix, or Orpheus is actually a true religion, believe it or not. That's where they got it from. A lot of things like that will correlate with the Matrix, as you'll see throughout my presentation. Uh, throwing oaths to keep proceeding secret as a result, the substance of their beliefs and the nature of their ritual has been almost entirely lost. So we're like a species with that vision, which you've heard before. Uh, what happens is in these mystery schools, which were hand-picked people, but what happened uh, after a certain amount of time, the information would get lost because new initiates wouldn't be selected. As these deified gods would leave, disappear, die, wherever, or go wherever they go, the, it's just like if I started a rumor here with this man in his ear and whispered to him and they passed it on. By the time it got all the way around through everybody and got back to this side, this lady will have a slightly different story than what I told you. And that's what happens in this whole thing about these secret societies and these ancient mysteries. When it's all handed down verbally, you never really get the exact same story that went in. And then over time, things get forgotten. So if by midway through that journey of the information going around, there's a cataclysm, and now a whole generation has passed before somebody that was the last survivor who heard a little bit from their mother when they were eight years old can now tell their children. Now it's a little bit more conjecture in there. So we are we have lost a lot of information. We all know how to use a cell phone, but if there was an uh, EMP pulse right now that knocked out all the electronics, none of us in here, maybe somebody in here can, but the most of us couldn't make a cell phone. And if we could, we can't make everything else that needs to work along with the cell phone system to make it a functioning system. So it's a very tricky thing, and it's very easy to get this amnesia. People always wonder, how do we lose all of this? It really is so easy. We've only been existing for literally less than a blink of an eye on a geological time scale. Less than a blink of an eye. Less than the time it takes you to blink your eye, human beings have been on this planet. Okay? If you look at a geological time scale. And when a thing, a small cataclysm, a small overrule, a, you know, kingship that dominates or whatever takes over, like the, the papal inquisitions. If we didn't have the papal inquisitions, the Arabs would have been on the moon in the 1800s. That's how fast they were advancing. In the 1800s, they would have been on the moon. The papal inquisitions killed 80 million people and, put, and dominated Catholicism around the entire planet through, unfortunately, murder, rape, and torture. And force, and that's how come everybody speaks in these various languages, you know, not their indigenous languages. But it's just a fact it happened. But that slowed down. So things like that pop up from time to time and then just squash out a lot of our advancement and take us back down that rabbit hole into, you know, the amnesia state. The force is real. And that's, you know, primarily what we're talking about today, the force, the energy force, the thing that really truly binds us, like Yoda says in Star Wars. It's really a true statement. I mean, when you look back at Star Wars, you know, after being more conscious, you realize how many super nuggets were dropped, like knowledge bombs were dropped in Star Wars, right? I mean, uh, amazing stuff. They really went and got some real gurus to drop some of those, some of that dialogue. 
And the force truly is this energetic grid that we're all sitting on right now. We're all part of this energetic grid and we're all connected. So the, the, the illusion of this separation here gives us a feeling of individuality. But in truthfulness, I'm up here talking to you guys, but I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to myself. And when you're talking to somebody, you're talking to yourself. There's only one consciousness. The only thing that's different here is that consciousness has literally separated itself into trillions and trillions of entities to experience itself subjectively from different perspectives because it wants to collect information. I just came from a spiritual panel, and we were talking about, uh, I talked a little bit about how the brain is encased in darkness, and the brain doesn't know anything. It doesn't see, smell, feel, hear. It doesn't know nothing. It's encased in darkness, but it has friends, your senses. So it says to its friends, go out there and collect some information. This is as above, so below. Keep this in mind. So the brain, it would be consciousness, the creating consciousness of this entire third dimension. Think about it that way. The brain sends out hearing, smell, touch, feel, you know, sight. Uh, and they come back with data, digital bits of information. Information that the brain now can collect and process. And then the brain projects a hologram as to what's going on outside. And you navigate through this electromagnetic matrix based off of a hologram projected from digital bits of zeros and ones collected by a sensory system. So if you take that and bring it up to above, now think of the mass divine consciousness that creates this entire universe. And we are the friends of that consciousness that have now broken off, and we're out here doing what? That's your mission here. You're collecting data and sending it, you're going to find out, directly back to source on a consistent basis, 24 hours a day, seven days a week you're uploading information back to source nonstop. And that's really what it's all about. The day Nikola Tesla had a famous saying, the day science begins to study non-physical phenomena, it will make more progress in one decade than in all previous centuries in its existence. Think about that. We're talking about non-physical phenomena. We're talking about the unseen. But we're going to take away the magic sky daddy with the white robe and the wand. We're taking that away. I'm sorry. If that, if you believe in that, then you may not want to say this presentation. And I'm not saying that there's not a divine creator because I believe in divine creator because quantum physics tells me that there's a divine creator of this realm. The energy in you is divine, making you divine, making you a creator as well, or nothing would be even be here. This book wouldn't be written. This podium wouldn't be created. This laptop wouldn't exist. All of us are creators because why? As above, so below. We're duplicating what the creator, what the creator does. So what I'm saying to you is there's a process to get to this level of understanding to be able to make this creation and manifest reality. And that involves quantum mechanics and quantum physics. That's the underlying basis. That's the two times two. All things in all universes move according to law. And the law which regulates the movement of the planets is no more immutable than the law which regulates the material uh, expressions of man. One of the greatest of all cosmic laws is that which is responsible for the formation of man as a material being. The main objective is to reveal the workings of the law which connect the man the material and man the spiritual. The, uh, the connecting link between the material man and the spiritual man is the intellectual man. For the mind partakes of both the material and immaterial qualities. The aspirant for higher knowledge must develop the intellectual side of his nature and so strengthen his will that is able to concentrate all powers of his being on and in the plane he desires. The great search for light, life, and love only begins on the material plane. Carried to its ultimate, its final goal is complete oneness with the universal consciousness. The foundation in the material is the first step, 
Then comes the higher goal of spiritual attainment. Concealed in the words of souls are many meanings that do not appear on the surface. Light of knowledge brought to bear on these tablets will open many new fields for thought. Read and be wise, but only if the light of your own consciousness awakens a deep-seated understanding, which is the inherent quality of the soul. We're talking about some deep stuff here today, guys. We're going to go in. We're going we're gonna to really get deep. The universe runs on natural laws. And these are some of the laws that I talk about quite a bit. Finding immutable conditions that govern consequences of behavior. General principles of natural law. The principle of mentalism, which we're going to talk about right away. The principle of correspondence. The principle of vibration. The principle of polarity. The principle of rhythm. The principle of cause and effect. And the principle of gender. The principle of mentalism, which is really primarily the majority of what we've got to talk about today, is understanding that all is mind. Everything is mine, as above, so below. We are most likely living in a fractal holographic conscious mind matrix. And so when you look and analyze the way that the synapses occur between the neurons and the brain, you begin to realize that it creates this holographic type of a field that your brain projects, and it's the same exact thing for the universe. So we're living in a fractal holographic matrix, and that doesn't take away the fact that it could be a biological entity. And just that's the format that's used to generate this illusion of reality. The fact that you think you're sitting here isn't even, isn't even an illusion. There's 7.5 billion people on Earth. But if I take away all the empty space and the atoms of every person on this planet, I can fit everybody into one sugar cube. You don't, you're not even here. You're not even here. What, this is what you've got to understand. As a matter of fact, one of the white papers I'm working on is talking about atoms of 99.999% empty space. And one of the white papers I'm talking about with um, working on uh, trash, you know, dumps, is removing empty, using a specific type of energy source to remove the empty space, collapse the empty space in between the atoms and the trash. Now you can have 50 tons of trash be less than a crumb if you can remove the empty space. So that's the future of trash management. It's not going to be burning and trying to turn it into gas and all this other kind of crazy stuff. It's going to be just removing the empty space in the atoms, and it's gone. memory so some scientists got 20 people together and they took them out into a city area and said let's just go for a walk didn't tell them exactly what what the study was truly about just went for a walk a few blocks and came back to the laboratory and they wanted to see what people's minds were picking up subconsciously subconsciously because your mind records every single thing every person that you saw on your way to this event every Every person's clothing or outfit, every car you saw on the way here, every license plate that you didn't realize you saw, all that's stored in your brain. Every single bit of it's in your brain right now, all of it. Every fine, minute detail is inside of your brain right now. So they took the people back and they started asking them, what did they see? And they were getting some very mundane answers, all people walking, a few cars, some offices, and some stores. Then they put them under a hypnosis with a real hypnotist. And they started tapping into the subconscious. And people started recalling license plate numbers. They started recalling what they saw in store windows and what kind of jewelry it was. They started recalling conversations that they heard as they were walking down the street, that people were talking just as they walked by. 
They even noticed buildings and signs of stores that they would never even think of going into, but they knew the names of those stores now, and then they knew the names of the signs on the outside of the building. This was a real scientific study that was done. Now, some people may want to say it's kind of a pseudo because they use a hypnotist, but it was duplicated several times. And when you duplicate something and the same thing happens, you got to kind of say, this might have, this might not be a coincidence. The human brain is really picking up everything. Everything is mind. Everything is consciousness. You're downloading information 24 hours a day, seven days a week, nonstop. They really were able to recall all these different aspects of the walk they went on, and they were themselves completely surprised about it. So we're going to talk a lot about the mind today. We're going to talk about the neocortex. You know, the movie, The Matrix, Neo? Well, they got the name from the neocortex, Okay. And the neocortex is Latin for new bark or new rhymes. It's also called the neophallium. It's part of the brain in mammals. It's the outer layer of the cerebral hemispheres and made up of six layers labeled one through six, six being the innermost and one being the outermost. And the neocortex is a part of the cerebral cortex. And it's also sometimes known as the archaeocortex or teleocortex. They're cortical parts of the limbic system in humans. But the most important part about this is it's involved in higher functions such as sensory perception, Generation of motor commands, spatial reasoning, conscious thought, and language. So it's not just the name. They call them Neo for a reason. Conscious thought is the biggest part of this. Spatial reasoning, understanding uh, the world around you, being able to navigate through this matrix and how it works, and seeing beyond the veil. Uh, so we're going to talk about how light equals intelligence. Light is actually intelligent. Not only light, we're going to find something else is intelligent. But it's really going to blow you away. But light definitely equals intelligence. This is from physics.org. The first ever photograph of a uh, of a what was a light wave and also then becoming a particle. So light can be a wave, a frequency wave, and once consciousness interacts with it, it can collapse into a particle. And this is the very first photo that was taken of light converting in the middle stages of going from wave to particle. What does that mean? Everything in the third dimension exists as a light wave. First, everything, including your body. Your body is a wave of light, a wave of potential, electromagnetic frequencies. That's all you really, your avatar body is. But your subatomic frequency will re-assimilate back to the structure that you recognize as you when consciousness collapses it into that format. When conscious observers, in other words, a person observing you from the outside, or you even observing yourself, collapses yourself back into what you recognize as a solid object. Right now, you're not at home. Your home doesn't exist as a solid object. Your home is a wave of light, a wave of potentials, with a specific frequency in every block that creates the actual property, the actual structure. When you get back to your house and you get close to it, it collapses back into your house again. Now you're saying, well, well, somebody is at my house right now. They see the house. Consciousness collapses electromagnetic frequencies into solid matter. And we're going to show you this in real science, real peer-reviewed science, in a second here. I'm going to go to Dr. Quantum. So, what they call this school is really the way it is. And that our senses are playing tricks on us. You just got what is reality that we must tell here? My guide told me you have to say the truth always.
an interference pattern. We fired electrons, tiny bits of matter through. But we get a pattern like waves, little marbles. How? How could pieces of matter create an interference pattern like a wave? It doesn't make sense. But this is the circular maple. Maybe the Why are some people blessed? All right, all right, all right. We back, we back. So 
Um, I'm going to try to play the rest of the clip. We're going to take a quick break because the information, there's so much information. And um, <clears throat> I had a hard time getting um, a lot of this audio into the system. So um, as you can hear, it's playing live. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Um, and we'll keep the information going. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages on Evolution Radio. There is no mystery God. Absolutely no mystery God. There is no God in the sky and there is no devil under the ground. Heaven is not in the sky and hell is not under the ground. Heaven and hell are conditions of the mind, states of existence, and states of being. So Jesus told us to stop looking for heaven in the sky. He said the kingdom of heaven is within you. And that we are the temples of the living God. That the living God lives in our temple and he does not inhabit the sky, but he inhabits the higher realms of the heavens, of the realm of the secret innermost chamber of the subconscious chamber of the soul of man and woman, and this power bursts forth and emanates forth from him to set in motion a universal order based on principle and law. All of this set in motion by a divine power and a divine force that never dies. It's constant. It just changes forms. God is in man. Can't be in any man. He's got to be in the original man. Because if God is the first and everything comes from him, then he can't wait for anything else. He brings everything else into existence. There could be no white man if there were no black man. It is biologically and genetically impossible for the recessive white man to produce the dominant yellow baby. Biologically and genetically impossible for the recessive yellow man and woman to produce the dominant brown baby. Biologically and genetically impossible for the recessive brown man and woman to produce the dominant black baby. But that black man and his woman, the father and the mother of it all, can produce black, can produce brown, can produce red, can produce yellow. And if the seed runs wild or mutates in the womb of the black woman, can even produce an albino, something which is whiter than white, 180 degrees in either direction. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages on Evolution Radio. The act of looking, observation, conscious intervention collapses waves into potential solid objects. It's science fact, not fiction. So when I tell you that your house is an electromagnetic wave of light when you're not there, that's what it is. If you play a video game, as above, so below, never fail. A video game is the exact reproduction of how we live our lives. The next frame appears as you need it in the video game. And as you move forward, the next part of the frame appears, and the next challenge appears, 
and there's even reincarnation in video games. As soon as you don't learn your lesson and you get killed, you get another life and you start all over again. As above, so below, never fails. Never. And that's what we're doing. So a human being exists both as solid matter and a wave of light. So you are light. And what do we know about light? And what do we know about electrons? They're intelligent. Light has intelligence. Okay? This is something that you really have to understand because this is the fundamental base of getting to the next level. <clears throat> Understanding that every single atom in your body is intelligent. <clears throat> and, the, and the reason why that's important is because you have trillions and trillions of atoms in your body that make up your body. Okay? So add to all that consciousness together. It's really incredible the amount of potential that a human being has. Now, what are the weak? Electromagnetic spectrum. Obviously, you can see here, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and violet that you guys know of are the, um, are the light waves that we normally can see uh, as human beings. Everything else is we, don't, we, don't, we can't see it. We just can't see it. And it's a good thing because if you can see everything that was going on in this room right now, it would freak you out. <laughs> uh, you couldn't handle it. I'm just telling you. If you can see in gamma, if you can see in x-ray, if you can see in uh, multi-spectrum, ultraviolet, uh, infrared, you'd see all kind of things happening all around us right now. And you'd be like, what? So we've been set up with this limited perception of what we call visible light, which is what you see when you see a rainbow. Uh, as light goes through a, through a um, you know, like a fractal, it's broken off and the different light rays break off. And these are the only colors that we can actually see. <clears throat> so visible light, the electromagnetic waves of your eyes uh, that your eyes can detect oscillate between 490 terahertz. That's several hundred trillion times a second. The wavelengths are roughly the size of a large virus. <laughs> we see nothing that's truly, really going on. And like I said, you know, here's gamma rays. You have ultraviolet light, radar. We have this small slither that we're getting that we that, you know, get access to. But everything is light. Every atom in your body is made from light. And it even goes deeper than that. This is an image from the very large baseline array that shows the Galaxy M33, what it looks like if you could see in radio waves. This is the image map of the atomic hydrogen gas in the galaxy and the different colors that map the gas. Red gas is always moving away and blue is moving towards us. And the reason why I'm showing you radio waves, anybody here ever heard of I Love Lucy? Okay. That's an old show that I, you know, I'm aging myself. I used to watch it all the time. Um, but... It, those shows are still going through space, traveling through space right now. Those radio waves that created that show or that emanated that show are still traveling through space-time. In some distant future, some alien race is able to decode watch I Love Lucy. Okay? Uh, so think about that, because that's a very important statement I just made. By the way, I just rotated it just a little bit, and look what happened. <laughs> I'm just messing with you guys. <laughs> Rockets galaxy. Now it's really amazing that it is in that shape, though. It really, truly is. It's kind of weird. Uh, let's take a look at this video here. So this research is about alternative ways of storing data, digital data, for archival purposes. With the initial thought, I don't care what I'm building. Will be dead. Um, I'll just encode it into DNA. Build that because I don't want to worry about the design. 
and I debated what we should encode, what would nicely represent the digital so we used the HTML version of a book that, it, that, that I wrote recently called Regenesis. The HTML form, the, the web form, includes uh, um, images, and digital images, and includes uh, JavaScript programming language that actually does perform something interactively with the, with the person. And if we encoded that into zeros and ones and then into, into DNA. That's important, okay? And the reason why that's important is because DNA stores memory. So, I mean, it's a kind of a long video, but to summarize what he's saying is these scientists discovered that DNA can store digital bits of information, okay? So they discovered how to use the light codes in DNA to store data. And now that e-book that he was talking about, they replicated it 80 billion times onto one gram of DNA. A gram is a drop on the tip of your finger. So one gram of DNA can store 80 billion uh, copies of that book. It can store 433 petabytes of digital data, zeros and ones. And it can be not only downloaded to the DNA, but uploaded back to the server again. And they discovered that it's also wireless. So now they've re realized that DNA sends and receives information wirelessly. When you're picking up this laptop, it's connected to a Wi-Fi signal right now, or I wouldn't be able to give this presentation because some of my stuff is linked through web, right? What is the Wi-Fi frequency? What is the, what is Wi-Fi? Wi-Fi is light. Light. Light that then carries zeros and ones. So this laptop right now is sending waves of light out to a receiver and downloading information from that same receiver back and forth with light waves that have piggybacked the zeros and ones on top of it. Okay, light is the trick here. Light is the secret. Scientists discovered how to turn light into physical matter. It took them after it was an 80-year quest. And uh, basically, what happened is uh, this, at this Breton Wheeler University, these guys got together and they started talking. And Max Planck walked in, and they were having a cup of coffee, trying to figure out what Soph talked about in the Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. There, turning light into solid matter in ancient times, right? Well, they just figured out how to redo it. They just rediscovered it. And uh, they now, this is physical.org, by the way, guys. They now have turned light into solid matter. So everything that the ancients were doing, we're just now rediscovering. But if we can turn light into solid matter, both talk about being able to do it with your own consciousness. Yeah. You see? This is where I'm going with this. We're doing it technologically and figuring out the basis of how to make it happen. But there's a way that he was able to tap into it with his mind. He manifested blocks to build megalithic structures. He didn't have to go quarry them. Now, this is, this is you know, the level that we are trying to ascend to. Contemporary science tells us that the universe is made up of energy, matter, and light. Those would be what alchemists call sulfur, salt, mercury, and uh, respectively. According to Einstein's equation equals mc squared, energy and matter can be transformed into one another through the constant of light. In alchemy, sulfur and salt are transformed into one another through the intermediary of uh, mercury. It, it looks like if the little c in Einstein's equation really stood for consciousness instead of light, there would be no difference in, at all between physics and alchemy. Just that one little tweak will turn you from physics to alchemy. And uh, let's assume that consciousness is light, and in that case, the animal tablet for the 21st century might look something like this. Truly without hype, religious exploitation, or commercial consideration, you can experience higher truth. 
You are as much part of the material as you are part of the mental, and you are as much part of the mental as you are the material. In order to accomplish miracles of light, and just as all things come from this light, though through constant uh, thought and concentration of consciousness, so do all created things originate from this light uh, through the transformation of thoughts. Its father is energy, its mother is matter, the spectrum carries in its belly, its nurse is the earth. It is the origin of all consecration of the whole universe. Its inherent strength is uh, perfected and it is, it is materialized. Separate from matter, from imagination, subtle from the gross, gently the deepest meditation, the light rises from earth to heaven and returns again to earth, thereby containing within itself the powers of both the mental and the material. Thus will you obtain the light of the whole universe. All darkness will be illumined to you. This is the greatest force of all powers because it overcomes every mental thing and penetrates every material thing. It is the way that the universe is created. From this comes many wondrous manifestations because of this formula. Therefore, this deals with three parts of reality and shows the underlying relationship between energy, matter, and light. Now we have completely explained the fountain of consciousness. Okay, so we're going in, guys. This is some deep stuff. Mapping magnetite crystal in the human brain. So how do we download this light information? What's the mechanism, the actual biological technology that's inside of our avatar body that allows this to happen? Mapping the magnetite crystal. We've got magnetite crystals, billions of crystals inside of our brain of magnetite. Now, animals use this all the time to navigate the planet. Birds flock south for the winter. Turtles know how to get back to their nesting grounds, right? Whales navigate the oceans using magnetite crystals. Guess what? We have them too. But we've been disconnected from them. Now, they put human beings, not that we've been disconnected, we've been somehow a veil's been put over for us to detect it. They put a human being in an actual laboratory with a magnetic field, very strong magnetic field, and then they put the, the cap on its head with the electrodes to detect magnetism. And they say, oh, he's detecting it. And they would move the field around the room, and no matter where they moved the field, they were detecting that they the magnetite crystals were following the field in the brain, human brain. We still have the capability today, but we've been disconnected from it. We've got to regain it by through meditation, through thoughtfulness, through uh, research and investigation, through studying, through all these different things for this whole, what this whole expo is about, just to get back to where we're supposed to be. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a process. When you look at tsunamis that come inland, right? You never see the wild animals dying in the ocean. You never see that. At Harvard Business School, we have a unique approach to online learning. But you always see human beings getting swept away. <laughs> the animals are a good question, sister. Why is that? The animals are in human resonant frequency with the earth. They're utilizing their magnetite crystals. They're downloading, uploading information directly from the planet itself because Earth is conscious. And they're getting born two, three days, sometimes a week in advance before cataclysms happen. And they go to the hills or to the mountains. Human beings, we go right to the water. And then we stand there with the selfie stick and watch it come in. And we go, look. And then, boom, we're out of there. I mean... <laughs> We've really been disconnected, um, you know. <laughs> they got us good, man. <laughs> they probably said that laugh, you know. But 
But we have the capability and to get back in that frequency, to get back in that resonance, to get back in tune with the earth and our, our inner self and the universal consciousness, it takes some thoughtfulness. To be thoughtful and mindful that it actually does exist and it's not some mystery, hokey-pokey thing, right? But it's a real thing that does exist in your body. And this is where the magnetite crystals are located. I'm showing you the evidence that this stuff is real and it really exists so that you can take away the mysticism of it, okay? Here's something that's really interesting as well. The neural correlates of consciousness, the parts of your brain that generate self-awareness, researchers at the Allen Institute for Brain Science discovered three giant neurons. One of them is projected across the cortex like a crown of thorns. Do you... I, I wish I had a whole other show to go into to talk about what these thorns are really about because this is really what it's about. It has nothing to do with the other thing, but that's a whole other show. But this is real. This is real science. This is real science. So between the neural correlates of consciousness, the neocortex, and the magnetite crystals, you now have a technological device anchored to this avatar body that allows you to upload and download information directly from space-time. That's right. Something to get excited about. So when you hear people say, I got it, I'm getting a download, sometimes people smirk at them when they walk away. No, they're getting a download. Everybody's getting a download. Anytime you go, oh, I had this great idea for this invention. No, you downloaded it. <laughs> yeah. All information, and I mean all information, already exists in space-time. Already exists. What happens is, it exists as what? An electromagnetic frequency of what? Light. And then your neurocorrelates, your magnetite crystals, and your consciousness matches a subatomic frequency or a subspace frequency of that information, that data packet. And then you actually download it into your body. And if you're lucky, because everybody downloads it probably at the same time, a lot of people, but you discern it and you're able to then regurgitate it, put action behind it, and bring it into fruition. That's how things happen. That's how things happen. So this this entire realm is all about uploads and downloads. So when you hear people say that, you can't laugh at them and think they're crazy because you're getting the same exact thing. You just didn't realize it before. Yeah. The neurons connect to the claustrum, and the claustrum, like the conductor of an orchestra, it coordinates the inputs and outputs. Inputs and outputs. This is a technological device we're talking about, which helps to download consciousness. This is coming from biological books and physics books and peer-reviewed science books. I'm not giving you stuff that came from uh, some Hocus Pocus magazine about spirituality. I'm giving you real science here. You're downloading information and this is the mechanism used to do it. And this is important to understand because you can't get into a Merkaba meditation without understanding these tactics. And some people have been able to do it through uh, going to different gurus that can teach you how to do it. Some people are able to get into it right away. Some people take them a very long time. Some people don't really understand why it works, but they follow the guidelines and they've done the, you know, the basics that we're talking about the gurus and they're able to get into it. I want to show you something that not only will allow you to get into it, but also allow you to pass it on to other people and explain why it works. So the people go, you just need one of those crazy gypsies. I don't want to hear what you're talking about. But if you can explain something scientifically and show source material and say, no, this is real science. This is not hocus pocus. You might catch somebody's ear. Let's look how powerful and how intelligent light is. transformed its ability to move. 
the result of a project by a group of international scientists who were able to bypass the injured part of the animal's spine. To decode the brain activity is not only new. To stimulate the spinal cord is not really new either, but the association of both and to make the link between the decoding of the brain and the stimulation of the spinal cord and to make this communication exist is completely new. If you have an injury of the spinal cord, messages from the brain aren't able to reach beyond it down the nervous system, resulting in paralysis. Scientists created a brain-spinal interface on a monkey with a paralyzed leg, implanting electrodes onto part of the brain that controlled the limb. The activity and information it recorded showed the movement the monkey intended to make and was sent to a computer. So, what's being transmitted from the brain? Wave of light, intelligent light, that then get picked up by a receiver below the broken spine and then decoded into the DNA and to the muscle fibers and told, hey, move this leg. resulting in paralysis. Scientists created a brain-spinal interface on a monkey with a paralyzed leg, implanting electrodes onto part of the brain that controlled the limb. The activity and information it recorded showed the movement the monkey intended to make and was sent to a computer. So, what's being transmitted from the brain? Wave of light, intelligent light, that then gets picked up by a receiver below the broken spine and then decode it into the DNA and to the muscle fibers and told, hey, move this leg. That's the power of your mind. That's the power. You can do this without technological devices if you have a broken spine. There's gurus that have bypassed being crippled through uh, spinal injuries, through thought power, through the power of thought. This is adding a little piece of technology that allows the decoding of the light waves coming from the brain to do that. Every single thought you're thinking right now Every thought you're thinking is generating an electromagnetic wave that's penetrating your skull bone and going out into space-time forever. 
every thought that you ever thought since you had conscious thought is in space-time. Every single thought. The Akashic Records, real. The uh, Book of Life, real. Why? Because Stephen Hawking said it best. He discovered that when you go into a black hole. Oh, I guess what I made a mistake earlier, guys. Things don't become destroyed. All information as it enters into the black hole is stored at the rim of the event horizon. So nothing is ever lost. Information can't be destroyed. It can only be transformed. All knowledge, all information that ever, ever has been is always here and always will be here. Nothing is missing. Nothing is gone void. Nothing has been taken away from taken away from this universe. It's all here. So every thought that you think is permanently going out. So the thoughts you think are very powerful because they can affect other people. Because I could be thinking a thought, a negative thought from up here, that can then interact with your field, your biofield, and your DNA waves, your your torus, and around your body that's operating in your Wi-Fi DNA could download my light wave into your body and affect you biologically, physiologically. That's the powerhouse. That's how powerful thought could be. And just the opposite, you could walk through a room of people just like this, and you can directly affect every single person in the room with the power of positive thought without even saying a word. That's how powerful thoughts are. And, you know, you, that's why some people walk in the room, people say, I can feel the energy. That's real. Like, that is not an imaginary thing. That's truly a real thing. Kalel, I thought this was just very interesting. Kalel means light god in Hebrew, which is uh, what um, uh, Superman's name was. So it's kind of interesting, t- interesting tidbit. But can brainwaves interfere with radio waves? They don't interfere with radio waves. The reason why I showed this is because it says here that, um, uh, let's see here, the human brain also emits waves, like when a person focuses their her attention on some, or remembers something, uh, the, the uh, activity fires thousands of neurons simultaneously at the same frequency, generating a wave. Again, proving this is more physics here, School of Engineering, waves of light are coming out of your head. Radio waves, which include radio and other wireless transmission signals, as well as other natural signals in the same frequency, peak through uh, around 50 to 1,000 megahertz. Uh, that's between 50 million and 1 billion oscillations per second. So every thought that we have will also oscillate at a specific frequency. So this is what I'm talking about, frequencies matching information in space-time. When you match that frequency of information in space-time, you can download it. It even goes further than that. Quantum walkers, like I'm talking about, quantum walking is a real term in quantum mechanics. And it's a real term, and how I got came stumbled across it, I was doing a walking meditation on the beach in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which I typically do every two or three weeks, take a five-mile walk. And this walking meditation, I felt like I phased out of this reality for a minute into another place, but the place was still here, but it was more technologically advanced. I went home, and I said, I just felt like I quantum walked, and I looked it up, and it's actually a real term in quantum physics. And that's when I started researching quantum walking and how it interacted with Merkaba light meditation and also how it interacted with what Self talked about in the Emerald Tablets. So as above, so below. We learned in the little cartoon there that, um, that electrons were conscious. Because once the electron realized that it was being watched, it decided to act like a particle, right? When it wasn't being watched, it decided to act like a wave. So, as above, so below. So we're talking about looking at planets. So you see here, you're looking at an orbiting a sun with planets orbiting it. You look at an atom with electrons orbiting it, right? Planets are conscious. As above, so below. Planets are conscious. This planet is conscious. 
and this planet emits a specific frequency. All planets have all planetary frequencies have now been recorded by the space agencies. You can actually go online and download the, the sound of every single planet and every moon in our solar system. And each one has a frequency. And when you take the sound wave from NASA.gov or European Space, wherever you download them from, they're available, and then put them into an audio program and slow it down a little bit, it sounds like conversations. That's really interesting. Sounds like conversations. But it's really important because your light waves also interact and, and directly affect the planet as well. And one of the biggest problems or one of the biggest things that I see with human beings so far on this planet is that we're not in a resonant frequency and harmony with the planet itself. In a lot of ways, we're like, we've been like a virus on the top, you know, and we've got to really change that. We've, and we are changing. We're in the process of doing it now. We've got to become more in tune with the planet itself and more respectable of the planet as a sentient being, not just a rock to build a house on. And what is this kind of this wild technology? It's uh, a way for you to control things with your mind. It has all sorts of new use cases, and I'm here at their offices today to get into it a little bit more. This goes behind your ears, uh -huh. and so you want your, your hair to be out of the way. Okay. And so we can put this on like on that. On the brain crown. Okay. Uh-huh. And then this goes behind the ear, so we'll just slide this down. Okay. So this is this is my brain right now. This is your brain right now. Oh my god! In real time. This is wild. It's it's pretty wild. It's, what you're seeing is the localized activity right now and the concentration of activity. So if there's a particular area that there's a huge amount of synchronization and activity, mm -hmm. then you'll see it light up. So right now you're seeing a lot of activity there in the frontal and then parietal occipital. So parietal occipital because is... Because I'm watching this. Yeah, so we can look at facial expressions. Mm -hmm. So we can tell if you're blinking, you're winking, looking left and right, lowering your eyebrows, raising them in surprise, smiling, mm -hmm. um, clenching your teeth because you're nervous. So all of those things we can detect very, very easily. Emotive has been prototyping its wireless EGE technology for the past few years. Proven in the research sector, they are now developing a consumer product for market. Yeah, so this is a really simple use case scenario where the idea is I can just wheel this car mm -hmm. to drive forward just with my thoughts. Stop learning Kabbalah from the Book of Zohar. The way that the detections work is that you show the machine learning algorithms how you think about driving the car forward. So right, but you, but so I mean, when you're actually, I can watch the whole show because we got time here. But you can see transmitted light waves with telekinesis. These are natural innate abilities that we're supposed to have without technology. This is the disconnected DNA that they're calling junk DNA, which is not really junk. It's real powerful stuff that's still inside of your body right now that needs to be reactivated, which is why we're here this weekend. A lot of people are getting these reactivations or these ancient memories or finding a way to go into researching and studying and meditation to tap into 
the abilities that we already have innately inside of our bodies. Moving things around, I think I, I truly do believe that our ancient ancestors, before we became Homo sapiens sapiens, uh, we found the bones all over the planet. I believe that they were much smarter than us. I don't think they were dumber. I think they were smarter. And I don't mean technologically smarter. I think spiritually smarter. They probably didn't even didn't have to speak with their mouth. They probably had telekinesis, telepathy. All these. They were in tune with the planet. They can receive and send information directly from the Earth itself. They were in, in resonant frequency with everything in nature. And um, like I said, we're inside. I believe that we're inside of a conscious entity, which we're calling the universal consciousness. Some call it God. Some call it divine Sophia. Whatever you want to call it. I believe that this is what we're inside of, and the mechanism used to generate the illusion of the third dimension is the hologram. Just like your brain projects its own hologram so that you can maneuver through the third dimension. A scientist observing an atom is actually a group of atoms observing itself. <laughs> well, we, that's what we're doing here, right? I'm just a compilation of atoms that existed since the beginning of what we call third dimensional time. And it's been regrouped into this avatar format. Before it could have been, I could have been a piece of a rock, piece of a star, you know. But we just keep reformatting. And the beautiful thing about these atoms that are in my body that make up this avatar body, they have memory. Memory can be written directly to each individual atom now in science laboratories. This is something they're doing now. So now you have DNA. Oh, now we're writing on atoms. Atoms store data. Store stored data. Imagine how much information is in your body right now. The history of the entire universe is inside of you. So when we tell people that the power is in you, we really mean the power is in you. We talked a little bit about DNA storage. This is an old clip that I used to use. It's 5.5 petabits. They've got it up to 433 petabits now of data on one gram. They found out that a human body can store 13.5 billion years of data, which ironically is the age of the universe. So the universe literally is inside of you. Literally. This is why human beings are some of the most coveted uh, entities in the universe. Because of our special capability, our storage capacity, our diversity, all the things that make up who we are, and we true, still haven't truly realized our true full potential yet. They, the reason why they're continuing to put our, their boot on our necks is because if we ever realized, <laughs> oh, my goodness, we would be, forget, we would be creating universes. That's how powerful we truly are. We create universes, and we're working on that now, believe it or not. People are trying to create their own universes in the science laboratories through technology. But we literally have the power to be divine creators because the divine source and the spark is inside of every single atom inside of our bodies. Um, that is about DNA uh, computing. I just want to read this one real quick. Of course, I have to skip a couple of these because you know how it is. Described in the Journal of Nature, uh, physicists working on an IBM research, re researchers working at an IBM research facility in California found that when the holmium atoms were placed on a special surface made of magnesium oxide, they naturally oriented themselves with a magnetic north and magnetic south. Why is this important? Because that's how you get zeros and ones. So they discovered that depending on the magnetic field that they interact with an atom, they can get it to spin up or spin down. A spin up would be a zero, a spin down would be a one. And by doing zeros and ones, I can create digital code, which is what's making this computer show you on the screen right now. But the Internet runs on zeros and ones. The, you know, your GPS system runs on zero. Everything's on zeros and ones. All your TV shows are on zeros and ones. All the, everything is zeros and ones, digital bits of information. Not only that, James, Professor James S. Gates, professor in supersymmetry and theoretical, theoretical physics, discovered that space-time, 
the ether of space-time runs off of something called adinkra codes, which were discovered by the Dogon tribe in Mali, Africa, thousands and thousands of years ago and depicted in artwork. When you take them and turn them into a three-dimensional structures, you discover that they're error-correcting codes. The same exact codes that Professor Gates discovered are the same ones that run search engine browsers and websites. So the ether of space-time that we're living in runs off of the same technology or same programming code that runs websites and search engines. That's what we're living in, guys, a program. We're living in a program. So brain scans can reveal your conscious decision seven seconds before you decide. Some people have talked about this, heard me talk about this years ago. So they took some people, put them in a room, uh, and then they put the cap on their head to read the light waves coming out of their skulls, and they were showing images 10 seconds apart, right? And so they would show a bed of roses. 10 seconds later, they show a, a woman hugging a baby. 10 seconds later, somebody getting stabbed. 10 seconds later, maybe somebody getting um, ran over by a car. Just horrific scenes and, like, serene scenes. And what they were trying to do was discover, map the human brain. The brain lights up like what it looks like lit up, lit up for specific feelings and emotions, right? What started happening was up to seven seconds before the next image even showed up, the brain was transmitting to the computer what the next image was going to be, horrific or serene. So then they said, wait a minute, this is an accident. We weren't even looking for this. And they started doing it over and over again and duplicating this experiment and found that it happens no matter how many times you do it. There's always this buildup of advanced knowledge before the thing actually happens. But what does that mean? We're not living in real time. We're living in the third dimension, the third density. It takes time for the conscious stream of information to funnel through multiple dimensions because we're multiple multi-dimensional beings until it hits the third dimension avatar body and it gets deciphered and discerned into what's going on there's a there's a delay process in that just like if i turn on direct tv satellite on one tv and i put on cable on the other the cable is going to be more current the direct tv is going to be delayed because the signal has to go to space and then come back okay that's what that is so that's what's happening right now you're not seeing me in real time you're looking at me as I was. Why? Because it takes time for a photon to bounce off of me, hit your retina, go to the back of your brain, get deciphered, so you project an image of what, what I look like. But by the time that happens, I've already moved. So you're not seeing me in real time either. Nothing is in real time. So this is where discernment is extremely important in your life because you need to be able to discern future events before they happen at the cusp that things are getting ready to happen so that you can make the adjustments and navigate through this matrix. Otherwise, you're going to consistently get caught up and caught up and caught up in things and get blindsided over and over again and not be able to detect things before they actually happen. you got to get ahead of that time wave. So we talked about the fact that light is conscious. We talked about the fact that uh, electrons are conscious. Everything is really conscious. Your body is made of light. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Merkaba now that we have the basic understanding. The Merkaba also spelled Merkaba, uh, translate literally into light, spirit, body. The Merkaba symbol is a shape based on two intersecting tetrahedrons that spin in opposite directions or counter-rotating directions, creating a three-dimensional energy field. This is around the human body. Um, and this is literally a vehicle of ascension. There are gurus that can travel the universe in these, including Soth the Atlantean, can travel throughout the universe using one of these Merkabas. Soth went to many planets. He said, I, went to, I traveled to many worlds watching civilizations rise and fall using his Merkaba light vessel. So they're it's a counter-rotating tetrahedron is what you're looking at here. So these two triangles or these two pyramids 
and that basic shape around the edge of the body is like your torus energy field. And those points intersect with the most powerful points of your energy field, the ka and the ba. Those are the super uh, hyperactive energy points within the Merkaba. So I know that some of you have seen this before. of being born again. Being born again has nothing to do with some of what these religious stories is about. It's the elevation of consciousness. He transferred from the the fake illusionary world into the real world through consciousness, through realizing and understanding that what he was involved in was an illusion. Now he's woken up in the real world. Another thing that people will say is, why would machines want to use human beings as an energy source, Right. Well, every single cell in your body is at 0.07 millivolts of electricity, and you have 35 billion cells. Multiply that, you're at 2.65 or so trillion volts of electricity in your one body. You're a walking nuclear explosion, literally, every single one of us. This is where the Qigong energy comes from. This is where Reiki healing energy comes from. It's extracted directly from the cells in your body. It's not mysticism and ain't magic and uh, you know, all this hocus pocus. No, it's real. When you understand how to tap into the energy meridians in your body and extract the energy directly from the cells in your body and focus them, you now have healing powers. This is where Jesus went when he left out of the scriptures. His name is Yeshua, not Jesus. Jesus means he'll do. When he left out of the scriptures, he went to Egypt to learn uh, the mystic arts. I'm sorry, to learn the mystery school. And then he went to uh, Tibet to learn Reiki healing with his hands. And then he went to India to learn the mystic arts. And this is in the gospel of the Holy Twelve. It's a real person that really did exist, not not a mythical person, a real person really did exist and really had these capabilities standing how the body works. So let's get into a little bit more about this. So now the Merkaba is fundamentally based off of the seed of life. That's the fundamental base. This is where it begins. This seed of life structure, which, uh, which is six circles with a seventh one, okay? So you have one circle in the middle with six circles round. That creates the seed of life. And this is a really important structure because this is the fundamental basis of reality. As a matter of fact, this structure is in the base of your spine right now. From the time that you were uh, basically had went through mitosis and generated these first seven cells, they're still there. Everything else divided out from there. But the, this fundamental basis of these cells is still there. This is the cross-section of DNA. So as above, so below, no matter how low you go, how deep you go into this, this realm, you're going to discover the similarities that we're in a fractal holographic universe. And in the hologram, if you take a small piece out, that smallest piece you took out is going to have a picture of the entire hologram in it. The only thing you lose is a little bit of resolution, okay? This is important. Though. This is part of the Merkaba. This is, you know, cell division through mitosis. As you can see, how we get all the way to the flower of life and develop life forms from this. This pattern is the most balanced and optimum form for eight spheres existing in direct connection with each other. 
The reason why it is called the egg of life is because nature uses this form in the embryonic creation process of every single living organism on this planet, with no exceptions. Okay, with no exceptions. This is the symbol etched into the stone at the Assyrian temple, which I showed you earlier. They knew about this eons and eons ago. Of course, that's me walking into the temple there. Here we are at one of the world's oldest sacred sites, the Osirian Temple at Abydos, Egypt. Very little writing is found in the Zion Temple. However, there is one very significant piece of information in that temple. It is a very faint but clear and precise drawing. It's not etched into the rock. It's not carved. It's burnt into the atomic structure of the rock in some extraordinary way. Yeah. So the ancients had access to this information. So now we're going to talk about Metatron's cube. Now we're going from the sea. We're going from the sea to the Metatron's cube as we build up into where we get into the Merkaba. aspect of sacred geometry known as Metatron's cube. And this is what it looks like. I've been making mandalas based on this archetype for a really long time, over 20 years. Thinking about it, contemplating it, meditating on it, just listening to it all these years. So the first question is, who is this guy in Metatron? Who is this being known as Metatron? Where did he come from? If you investigate, you find that Metatron was an archangel who was mentioned in Islamic, Judaic, and Christian mythologies, medieval mythologies. He was considered to be the scribe of God. So this would make the archangel Metatron the equivalent of the ancient Egyptian scribe of the gods known as Thoth, Hermes. Now, according to legend, a scribe of God would understand the root principles of creation which are almost always associated with sacred geometry. In fact, the Archangel Metatron is many times pictured with or holding a cube. So that's a little bit about Metatron, the God Metatron. But the graphic known as Metatron's cube didn't show up till later when a medieval Italian mathematician named Leonardo Pisano discovered it. So the next question is, why and how did Leonardo come to call this particular graphic Metatron's Cube? Beautifully illustrates that the Metatron's Cube create. It's very easy to get a perfect blueprint of both the dodecahedron and the icosahedron. This is really significant, and this makes Metatron's Cube actually work as a perfect blueprint. What I wanted to show you here was you see that of decahedron there over his head. Inside of the of Metatron's cube, you get this form called the vector, uh, called the um, uh, the vector equilibrium. And so the vector equilibrium is a source of unparalleled power. This is the energy source for the Merkaba. This is what I was trying to get to, but I'm running out of time. So inside the Merkaba is the uh, is this particular form, and this form is literally the source for zero point energy. Not only zero point energy where we can literally power everything without plugging anything in, 
but also it's the form of spiritual energy that can transmit your body to anywhere in the galaxy, anywhere in the universe. Through Metatron's cube, through this technology, tapping into this, um, to this um, effective equilibrium, you can literally create portals and wormholes in space-time, according to some of these ancient sages like Sophie Atlantean. We talked about going through Darula and opening up these portals and going through these gates. The gates that they're talking about in a lot of the religious texts aren't purely gates to go into this golden, you know, plated heaven thing. It's really the gates to go to gates. Stargates is what they're talking about. If you look at the ancient texts where a lot of that stuff came from, you find it talking about stargates, which is what I'm talking about on Monday, stargates and portals. And I'm going to show stargates and portals not only on Earth, but also even on other planets in our solar system based off of official NASA images and, and, um, and European space agency images. So um, it's unfortunate we're running out of this time, but we wanted to get all the way to the end of this thing. But these are all the same thing. So you have the Taurus energy field, the Sri Yantra, the Merkaba, and the aura, they're all the same thing. All of these are the same exact energy fields. And how do you get into the Merkaba? I'm going to wrap it up now, guys, because we're running out of time here. But to, to get into the Merkaba, the first thing that you have to do is you have to be, um, you have to uh, eat right. And this is important. Now, some people don't want to hear this, but when you're talking about creating an energetic body, it requires energetic foods, okay? I'm not saying... You need to be a vegan and all this other kind of stuff. What I'm saying is if you're trying to focus on Merkaba meditation, which there's a Merkaba meditation that you can just look up. You can just go to Google and type in Merkaba meditation. There's a lot of them that will pop up. You can go to ForbiddenKnowledge.com, but the number four is the Merkaba meditation on my website. You can watch it for free, and you'll get a lot of information there as well. But eating right is very important because you have to eat energetic foods. This means a plant-based diet. So if you're in the process of working on Merkaba meditation, focus on a plant-based diet for that time period. I'm not saying you got to wipe it out of your body forever you know, meats or whatever, but for that time period, focus on energetic food. Focus then also on unconditional love. In order to get into a Merkaba meditation, you need to be in, un- in a mindset of unconditional love because unless you're in a mindset of unconditional love, you're not at right frequency. The 520 hertz, 528 hertz love frequency is the frequency that will give you the capability of getting into the right mind state in the meditation to then see the Merkaba. And what happens is you'll see this video on my website that's going to show you the meditation. And during the process of the meditation, you're going to envision yourself standing outside of the Merkaba. Even though it's part of you, you're going to see it from another perspective. You're going to see two counter-rotating tetrahedron. Once you get about 15 minutes into the meditation, you're going to step inside of it. And then you're going to allow it to just take you. And why will it take you? Because the frequency in the video is at 936 hertz, which generates movement. And that movement's going to take you places. You just have to let yourself go and go with the meditation. But now you understand why it works. It's working because everything is light and the consciousness is light. Every thought is light. And those light waves create the Merkaba. Those light waves create the reality. Those light waves create everything around us, including the entire universe. All right? to the new evolution radio network where the evolution is the revolution all right all right so we got through it took us about a good hour um next time i'll try to make sure that uh for next thursday i have uh at least the clips you know right because it takes forever to do that shit but Anyways, um, this is Meditative Thursday, man. I hope that y'all got some good information out of this. 
very powerful information, very empowering information. Um, I'll be on radio. I'll see y'all Sunday. Next week, I'll start back up the Friday shows. So I'll see y'all Sunday for the bottom line. Uh, open form Friday. We'll, we'll resume next Friday. All right. You can holler at me and make more commerce.com. We are a private community. So we ask that you join um, our membership. It's free. Okay. So this where we can assist you in areas where you may need assistance. All right. Um, other than that, man, I'm going to say peace to the gods. Um, stand on your square. And keep learning. Keep getting information that's going to help you grow. That's what this is about. Okay? So I'm saying peace to the gods. And I will holler at y'all Sunday. Peace. Ain't like all them other chicks that you hit when she slips. Why I got a honey dip? Yeah, yeah. From the club to the cellar, you know how it is. Oh.